adoption, obviously, but, but give it time, and that could change as well. In, in Mary's day, it was a conservative society, and, and so to have a baby before you were married, or to be pregnant, was really a bit of a scandal. And, and Mary knew that it was God, but how was she going to be able to persuade other people that this was God? Because she wouldn't have been the first person to say God did this, to explain uh, an interesting pregnancy. And actually, her, her fiancé, Joseph, he doesn't buy the story. You know, we're told that, that quite a long time went by where Joseph was obviously resting with. He thought he was marrying this, this, this lovely woman, and now she's, she's obviously in a relationship with another man. She's pregnant. What's going on here? I've got this all wrong. I'm confused. Can you imagine the heartache that Joseph went through? And so, in a nice way, because he was a good guy, Verse 18, Joseph, her husband, was a, a good guy, a righteous man. He didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. This divorce is not the same as our divorce today. This means to end an engagement, a betrothal, which was a very formalized relationship back in the day. So because she's pregnant, he doesn't believe the whole God did it to me story. So he is, he is wanting to to formally end this betrothal, but to do it in a, in a quiet way so as not to embarrass Mary. But can you see how that must have created tension in this relationship between Mary and Joseph? They didn't know the Christmas story. Joseph was living it for the first time. This is unheard of. And Joseph only has a change of mind weeks or possibly months later when, when an angel appears to him in a dream. We read in verse 20, after he considered this, that implies that time had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Our first life lesson for us as believers, sometimes when we think things are going very wrong, God is actually doing something amazing. I hope that encourages you, encourages you tonight. Let's read what the angel said. She will give birth to a son. This is all in the dream. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. The next challenge is has to do with Mary and Joseph's honeymoon. Do you know where I'm going with this? But most people have high hopes for their honeymoon, if you know what I mean. But, but we read, he had no union with her until she gave birth 
to a son. The Catholics believe that Mary remained a virgin her entire life. They have a doctrine called the perpetual virginity of Mary. But the Bible teaches us that Mary and Joseph initially didn't have a, a normal marriage, and nor did they have <coughs> the kind of honeymoon we, we dream of. The ceremony's over, the, the guests have gone home, or you've left early, and now it's time to drink deep and long at the fountain of love. <laughs> but not for Mary and Joseph. They weren't going to be making those kinds of memories. And, and, and friends, this is, this is no small thing. Having a baby is also an emotionally turbulent time for people, for a couple. There, there, there are massive hormonal changes taking place in a woman during her three trimesters of pregnancy. And husbands need to uh, get with the program. <laughs> Often there's a touch of postpartum depression. There's a lot that, that goes on with having a baby. And so here's Joseph. He's, he's, he's kind of recently married. His wife's already pregnant. He's dealing with all of this that's going on. And he had no union with her until presumably quite a long time after Jesus' birth. You're probably not really in the mood when you just had a baby. Think too of what Joseph must have been feeling. You know, it was kind of God speaking to Mary. Mary was the one that was bringing this child into the world. And he's kind of the third wheel, as it were. All he gets to do is name his child, and he's even told what to call him. <laughs> I think Joseph was a wonderful father, that's why God chose him. But I'm sure, and I know adopted people who have adopted children love them as much as their own. I wonder if in those early stages Joseph did feel a, a little left out of the loop. Then there's the whole thing of uh, having to go on a trip. For, for many of us, paying tax is an absolute breeze. I mean, some of you don't pay tax, I know. But those of us who do it, in some cases, it just magically disappears with our salary at the end of the month. We don't have to worry about it, it, it gets sent over to SARS. And thank you for that. <laughs> but for Mary and Joseph, Caesar Augustus issues this decree, this is now Luke 2, chapter 1, that a census must be taken, the purpose of the census, they're doing some fundraising. Everybody's got to go on this long trip back to where they were born, to register and, and to pay some kind of a tax. Can you imagine how hectic this must have been for Mary and Joseph? To, to have to travel a long way in, in a dangerous situation, heavily, heavily pregnant. We know she was heavily pregnant because just after they arrived, 
she gives birth to Jesus. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph finding out, is that for real? We, right now, we've really got to go back to Bethlehem? Just because that's where your family comes from? We've got to go now while I'm this pregnant? I'm afraid so, Mary. Again, we think of them riding on a donkey. Where do we get that idea from? Uh, maybe they walked. So in summary, so far, they, they had some relationship challenges to work through. Not such a great honeymoon. Putting up with a lot of people's gossip, an inconvenient census, an arduous journey. And then, of course, when they get where they're going to, maybe it looked something like that, there is no place for them to stay. Do you know how terrible that is? When you, you're heavily pregnant, you've gone on a trip, and now there is no place for you to stay. And you've all seen the preschool plays where somebody gets to be the person who knocks on the door and another child opens the door and says, I'm sorry, there's no room there. And then they sort of repeat the process. But that's probably not how this happened. There were no hotels back in the day in this place. The Greek word doesn't mean in. It, it doesn't mean B and B. In all likelihood, they were going back to stay with family. It doesn't say they went from hotel to hotel, like in the play, asking if there was a room to rent. They were going to stay with family, but houses were small back then. And, and this house of their family was full. So the only place they could be hosted was, was out in a kind of a cave place where, where animals used to be kept. In winter. I don't know what your hopes are if, if you're ever planning on, on having a, a baby. You know, people spend hours, uh, what should the curtains be? What should the day call be? Uh, what shade of pink or blue are we going for here? You know, it, it's part of the fun of having a baby, all the faff of preparing the room. But they're put in a place reserved for animals. I don't know what they did with the animals. Maybe they just had to go outside. There's no gynae. There are no midwives. There's no pethidine. No birthing pool. No ultrasound scan to see how Jesus is doing. <laughs> just a few blankets on the ground. For those of you that have ever imagined giving birth, let that sink here. Maybe a couple of animal skins. Is that really your ideal birth environment? Probably not. But the scary thing is that that was God's provision for Mary and Joseph. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why is this all I have, Lord? And the answer may be because that's all you need. And it's adequate. Those are the circumstances in which Jesus was born. Think of the filth, the bacteria. 
Do you think the thought crossed their minds, Lord, is this the best that you could do for us? Once again, the message I'm preaching tonight is that sometimes when we look at our lives and our circumstances, we can think God has abandoned us. He's not doing for us what we had hoped. But sometimes that is God providing for you in, a, in, a, in an amazing way. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angels are so excited that Jesus has now been born that, that they kind of come bursting out of the parallel universe of the spirit world and heaven and boom, boom, they're suddenly in our world singing and praising God. And they tell the shepherds, you need to get excited about this as well. And they're, oh, what? And then at two in the morning, they're knocking on the, well, probably didn't have a door. They're just going into the manger. How's it, Mary? We're here to rejoice with you. A whole lot of angels told us, you've had a baby. Some women don't want to see anyone for three weeks after they've had a baby. Here you've got a bunch of shepherds, strangers, rocking up in the middle of the night to congratulate you. <laughs> And then they have the audacity to go out and tell everybody they can what's happened. There's the story. An angel appeared. The glory of the Lord shone around. They were terrified. And uh, they were told the Messiah's being born, which is the start of the gospel. And this will be the sign to you. You will find him lying in an angel. And there he is. Do you see that this wasn't all easy going for Mary and Joseph? But now they've got to go on another trip. It's within eight days, they need to have Jesus circumcised. And so they head off to Jerusalem. This is another trip now. And they offer, there they go. And they go to to do what the Lord Moses required. Matthew 2.22 They took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. By the way, that's just dawned on me right now. What an amazing phrase that is. They're going to Jerusalem to present Jesus to the Lord. Wow. And they offer a pair of doves or two young pigeons. And the fact that that is the sacrifice they bring shows that they were poor people. Because that's what the poor people offered. Often we think having lots of money is a sign of God's blessing. Friends, it's not. Mary and Joseph were poor. Once again, that was God's provision for them. And then Jesus is dedicated at the temple. And there are all sorts of prophetic people there that want to get in on the action. And I've done many dedications. And you want it to be encouraging. And, and, and you assure the parents that they know it anyway. What a fine child they've brought into the world. This is what Simeon says at Jesus' dedication. 
after his circumcision. He looks at Mary and says, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. That's not a great prophetic word to be given. Your son is going to polarize people. Some people are going to love him and other people are going to hate him. And ultimately, Mary, because of the son, it's going to be like a sword going through your soul. And that was obviously fulfilled when Mary stood at the cross with John watching Jesus being crucified by the religious leaders of the day. We're almost getting to the end. But there are a few more terrible things that happened to Mary and Joseph, and I didn't want to leave them out. <laughs> Joseph is having a sleep. Occasionally you do get some sleep when you have a baby. And he has a dream. And the dream is Joseph, take Mary, take Jesus, and get out of here fast. <laughs> and they head off to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. I don't know how many of you that have brought babies in this world have had people actively trying to kill your child. At the Willow Creek Leadership Summit, we heard the testimony of a woman who was in the Rwandan uh, context and had to hide in the bathroom, I think, four weeks with three other women. A powerful story. That someone that just had to run in the middle of the night and hide. And that's a similar situation here with Jesus. They're, they're effectively refugees. They're in Egypt. They're Jews. Now they're in Egypt. They have no roots there, no security, no friends. There's the xenophobic attitudes of the Egyptians towards them. They can't even speak Egyptian. Friends, when you've just had a baby, you don't really want to have to just grab your stuff and run because someone's trying to kill your child. But that's what happened to Mary and Joseph. And after some months, maybe years, they're able to go back to Galilee, where they're originally from. And so Jesus grew up then in Nazareth. You know the story. So in conclusion then, how does this reality of the first Christmas sit with the romanticized version? There is quite a difference, isn't there? You don't see Christmas cards with Jesus and, and Joseph and Mary fleeing to Egypt. I mean, I should bring out a range of Christmas cards. <laughs> a honeymoon with a difference. I mean, we can think of lots of uh, slogans here. But I like this real version of Christmas. 
Because as I said, it shows us that even when hard things are happening in our lives, and sooner or later something terrible is going to happen in your life or mine, that's just how life is. Jesus says every day has got enough trouble of its own. And the wonderful thing of the Christmas story is that God is as much at work in the hard things of our lives as the so-called good things. Sometimes in the midst of chaos and hardship and challenge and pain and frustration, God is most profoundly at work. Isn't that hugely encouraging? I mean, I'm blown away by how encouraging this is. You see, I'm much more encouraged than you are, but it will sink in. <laughs> okay, let's pray and Kenny and the team come on up. We're going to sing and, and focus on the Lord's song. Lord, uh, most of us here heard the Christmas story uh, since we were three years old. Uh, we, we've acted in nursery school plays. We've, we've sung in the school choirs. We've, we've received the cards. We've seen the, the movies. We know the Christmas story. But Lord, as we delve a little bit deeper into your word, we see that actually there's a hang of a lot going on in Mary and Joseph's lives. And a lot of it must have been very, very hard to deal with. Thank you, Lord, that we can take courage today that in the midst of frustrations and curved balls and things going wrong, that you can still be powerfully at work. Lord, this gives us hope, and in you we base our peace and our joy. Help us to be satisfied with the provision that you've given us. And Lord, this Christmas, give us all a new appreciation of what you went through for us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.